Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father in heaven, thank you for the words of Jesus. Thank you for the vision of John. And thank you for the lives of your saints. We love you and we pray that we would emulate them, that we would draw strength and courage from all of them. Lord, especially by your spirit, that fountain of living water welling up within us even now. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, good to see everybody. Welcome. It's All Saints Day. All Saints Day was actually November 1st, but this is called a movable feast, so we move it to today, Sunday, November 5th. Uh, Chris is gone. As you can see, he and Morgan are at a, a conference about technology and spirituality and how the two often war against each other. So he'll come back from Charleston in a few days and I'm sure have a lot of good feedback for us on that. Uh, tonight, we celebrate two years of meeting weekly as a church, as All Saints East Dallas. We began two years ago, November 1st. 2015, yeah, we can whistle. Let's hoop and holler. A golf clap of praise to you, O oh God. Um, no, we're so thankful for the provision of God, for the wisdom of God in planting us, uh, for the provision that we've received from our sending church, All Saints Dallas, for the wisdom we've received for them. And I'm so thankful for you, people who have heard the vision, people who have seen what God is doing, and who have said, yes, I feel called to participate in that. I feel called to, to follow, maybe in humble ways, maybe in heroic ways, but to follow in ways that are like saints. So thank you. Um, God is so good because a few years ago, this was a, a dream and a prayer, and now look what God has wrought. And if you think about your own life, maybe the lives of people that you know, you think about maybe little seeds of faith or seeds of vision that God has planted where you see tremendous obstacles in the way or, or nothing there, but you follow the Lord in faith day by day by day and you see what He grows because really at the end of the day, it's God that gives the growth. It's the Lord's vision and that's the whole reason we're here. Tonight I want to talk about saints. I looked at my watch because we have a baptism tonight. I want to meet the clock. I want to achieve that, that time frame. Saints past, saints present, saints future, saints to be. But I want you to notice what a saint is. A saint is, yes, a saint is a, a person of maybe peculiar or very conspicuous faith. 
Think about the 12 disciples that were gathered on that Mount of Beatitudes hearing Jesus. St. Matthew. St. James. St. John. Another St. James. I've got a list of them right here. And most of them died in a very conspicuous way. Most of them were martyred for their faith. Some of them we know very specific things about. We know that St. John, who wrote the Revelation, we know that he either died in exile in Patmos or in Ephesus. So he's the only one that died of good old age. We know what happened to Judas. Um, St. Matthew, we don't have a lot of details, but we know he was martyred. St. James, the son of Zebedee, John's brother. Uh, we know that Herod killed him. We read about that in Acts chapter 12. Uh, Thomas, we know he went as a missionary, but we don't have a lot of details, but that he, he was martyred. St. Philip, martyred. St. Peter, you've heard, crucified. And he said, I cannot be crucified in the same way as my Lord. So he was crucified upside down. St. James the Less, also uh, the son of Alphaeus, uh, we don't have a lot, have a lot of details. St. Andrew, crucified on a cross by angry pagans, a cross that looked like an X. Uh, Thaddeus, who's also called Jude, he and St. Simon were missionaries to Persia, to modern-day Iran, and they died as martyrs. St. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, he went to the east as a missionary, and we find out that he was flayed alive. I didn't go to the trouble of figuring out what flayed alive means, but so we read about these saints. We think about um, other followers of Jesus who have demonstrated faith in remarkable and heroic ways. The martyrs of Egypt. Audrey Assad was just here just a few weeks ago, and she sang a song and led us in worship to a song called Even Unto Death that she wrote after seeing these Coptic Christians being killed on the beaches of northern Egypt. So there are saints who have had heroic faith. But a saint simply is, is a holy one of God, someone who is in Christ. When, when St. Paul or St. Peter would write these New Testament letters, they would write them, address them to the saints of God and Christ Jesus our Lord, ones through whom the light of God shines. So there are very particular people that we still celebrate, that we still remember, that we look to their faith, we look to their courage in, in taking the gospel to different lands and taking the gospel and staying in Jerusalem. St. James, the brother of Jesus, is not, not one of the twelve, who was converted after the resurrection. Tradition says that he was such a, a great leader and bishop of the church in Jerusalem that the leaders uh, not of the church, but the leaders, I believe, of the Jewish community took him to the pinnacle of the temple. This is obviously before the temple was destroyed in AD 70. Took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, preach to all these people and tell them that what you've told them is not true. And he couldn't help but preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, the authorities pushed him off the pinnacle of the temple. And that's, and he landed on the pavement, and then they continued. So, very violent, very particular ways of dying. Now, I don't know if, if any of us will die for our faith that way. It, it may be the case. But odds are, given the place that we live and the culture that we live in, we won't die for our faith. But we're saints nonetheless. And we have, I hope you noticed in the prayer for today, the collect for today, we have this mystical communion because of Christ, because we're one in Christ. We have a mystical communion with those 
saints who are already with our Lord Jesus, who are more alive than we are even now. But saints are simply the holy ones of God, those through whom the light of God shines. So, Jesus, in speaking with his disciples, in speaking with the twelve, in speaking with those men who many would be martyred or give witness to their love for Christ by the shedding of their own blood, in speaking to them, I want you to get a picture in your mind. He sees a multitude out in the hillsides of Galilee. Now, Galilee, if you've ever been there, I got to go there recently, so I'm still really excited. Galilee is, is quite an amazing place. The Sea of Galilee, the lake, is below sea level. So it's low, and the hills are very high, so high that you North Carolina people may even call them mountains. Yes, I mean, they look like mountains for, you know, the Appalachians. They don't look like Rocky Mountains, but they're these really tall hills, mountains even, and as I looked at them, I thought, golly, Jesus walked up and down these things with those, those leather sandals, those Chaco kind of pre-Chaco things. I couldn't imagine doing that. But picture him around Galilee, around the villages, these fishing villages. He's called to himself the Twelve. He says, I want you to be fishers of men. And he sees the multitudes. He sees the crowd. And seeing the crowd, Matthew writes, he goes up the mountain. So he scales the mountain, and on the mountain he calls to himself the twelve. He's not talking to the crowd, not, not that there's anything wrong with the crowd. We love the crowd. The crowd's great. But right now he's speaking to his twelve. And do you know what he's going to tell them? Well, think about it for a minute. Jesus is the Messiah. He knows that he is going to start a movement, and not a movement like maybe the people of Israel would have imagined or envisioned. And we know that precisely because he's not in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place of power. Jerusalem is the place of influence. Jerusalem is the place still where people are still fighting over the city. It's still a city divided. And if you wanted to be anybody in the religious world, you went where? Jerusalem. Instead, Jesus goes to the north, and not just a little bit to the north, like so people could take a day trip, you know, some day trippers out to the wilderness. No, he goes further. He goes all the way to the north, to Galilee, to a place where people are kind of like, like bumpkins, and they're not as, it's what we might call flyover country nowadays. People that, they may not be as highly educated, they work with their hands, they're the salt of the earth, no pun intended. People like that. People in places like where I grew up in West Texas. And he goes out to Galilee and he calls to himself the twelve, these humble men, men that were tradespeople. They weren't landed aristocrats. Because honestly, if Jesus was, knew what he was doing, he would go find a landed aristocrat who could fund his ministry. But that's not who he called. The saints that he called to himself were poor in spirit. They were people who had nothing. And I could almost see him whispering to them, telling them, the disciples, what saints are like. What saints are like. And let me read to you. I have so many notes up here. I have so many things to say. 
and I just have to contain myself. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Just stop right there. This is a practical description of the disciples. It's a theological description of the disciples. It's descriptive of the reality that Jesus was in. He was amidst a people who were poor in spirit. They worked their fingers to the bone from sunup to sundown. They didn't have a lot going for them. They may have had deep faith, but I'm sure their life was full of mourning, disease, death, trial, affliction, shame, sadness. And he tells them, guys, you are blessed. It's descriptive of the saints' past. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, always refers to the kingdom of God as the kingdom of heaven. And he promises to these poor in spirit, these saints of the past, he promises them the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now stop right there. If you were going to create a list of ways in which to win, hashtag winning, in the world, you would not say, well, first of all, if you, say you went to a conference, you know, at a nice hotel or maybe downtown at the convention center, and they say, all right, guys, here are the keys to winning in life. Here are the keys to succeeding. Here are the keys to getting the kingdom. First of all, you need to be poor in spirit. You need to have a real clear self-awareness of your total depravity and poverty before God because that's going to get you somewhere. Secondly, you need to be people that mourn. You need to be in touch with your sadness. You need to be able to lament and pour out and drive people around you crazy. Thirdly, if the, as if that wasn't enough, are you following me so far? I should be a motivational speaker. You guys fall back. That's my safety. Just kidding. And this is the one that gets me. Blessed are the meek. The meek never get anything. In Israel, if you want to line up to get somewhere, you cannot be meek. Because what will happen to you? Because as Westerners, you know, of European descent perhaps, we, we want to get, get in a single file line, and we were, that's how we were taught. But in Israel, and I'm guessing in other parts of the Middle East, you just go. You just merge. You make it happen. It's like getting on LBJ every morning. You just make it happen. Because if you don't, if you wait, what happens is you'll get friared. Now, I don't know the etymology of that word or the origin of it, but I love the word. Because I remembered standing in line, waiting for, you know, trying to be a polite, I'm a Christian and I'm here in Israel to see where the Lord walked. And I'm sitting here and I got friared by these old ladies. They just ran past me. And Jesus whispers, that's, that's my interpretation. He whispers to them, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Not blessed are the powerful. Not blessed are those who take what they want. So far, if you were teaching a class on how to win, on how to succeed in life, and you used these descriptions of the disciples, of the saints past, and these prescriptions, yes, of the saints present, you'd be failing. You'd be falling behind. That is a wonderful noise coming out of that speaker. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And you can go on and on and on. I, I don't want to read them all. But the point is, if those are descriptive of, of the men around Jesus. Those are descriptive of the people who would follow Jesus in those early days. And they're descriptive of you and of me if we're honest with ourselves. And if we followed our Lord Jesus for any amount of time, we'll realize how deeply poor in spirit we are. Today, I mean, how, how long, O oh Lord? Today, a gunman shot 30-some-odd people at a Baptist church near San Antonio. Blessed are those who mourn. May we never be so callous that this continued and increasing violence finds us hardened to it, finds us without the words to mourn and lament. If you follow Jesus for any number of days and you're honest with yourself, you have hungered and thirsted after righteousness. As much as we seek after things that are not righteous, having this flesh still on our, on our bodies, but we've hungered and we've thirsted for justice that God would at last set things right, that God would at last bring about the verdict that he has pronounced in his son, Jesus Christ, that he would at last bring about the goodness, the shalom, the wholeness, and the completion that is the kingdom of heaven that will come on earth fully and finally one day as it is in heaven. So it's descriptive of saints past and present. It's prescriptive. But notice, the kingdom of heaven is promised to those who are poor in spirit. It's promised to those also who are persecuted for righteousness' sake and for the sake of the name of Jesus. Those who are killed. Flash forward now to the saints of the future. The book of Revelation John saw a vision, and we didn't read this part, but it says, I saw there those who were sealed from God from the 12 tribes of Israel. So he sees a specific number from Israel. Remember, it's an apocalyptic book. It's, it's symbolic. It's meant to evoke faith in God. It's meant to evoke love of God. So it's not a prescription. It's not necessarily a roadmap of how things are exactly going to happen. But John sees a specific number of the sons of the tribes of Israel sealed with the seal of the Lord our God. And then he sees a multitude, again, a multitude. The first time, Jesus went away from the multitude to speak to the twelve. But now, he sees the multitude. And what's with the multitude? Notice their posture. Their posture is one of worship. They're around the throne of God and they worship him. Salvation belongs to our God. Notice how they're clothed and, and what they look like. They have palm branches in their hands. Not because there was a sale on palm branches. Palm branches are a sign of victory. So there's a, there's a victory in the presence of God, waving them before God as an offering, as a sacrifice. And they're clothed in white. And the reason they're clothed in white is because they have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. There's this deep irony that blood, which stains something, which makes something impure, would make them white. But it's not just any blood. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood of the one who sat on the Mount of the Beatitudes and said, Blessed are you, poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. But notice what else happens. Remember, saints past, they're mourning. 
They're hungry. But the saints of the future have a decisive thing that happens to them. Verse 15 of Revelation 7. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. Remember that posture of worship. That reality of His presence. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. And they shall hunger no more. Neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. Even the most basic elements of the earth cannot touch these protected ones who have come out of this great tribulation, this great trial that was before them. Verse, 16, or verse 17, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What are saints like? Saints are poor in spirit. Saints mourn. Saints hunger and thirst for righteousness. Saints seek mercy. Saints are peacemakers. But saints also anticipate a glorious and all-encompassing victory of God. Because the Lamb wins. At the end of all this turmoil, at the end of, all of the cancer diagnoses and of the friends and the family dying at the end of the broken up families and the affairs and the adultery and the greed and all the stuff that brings upon us the evil of this world, the evil of the fall. At the end of all of that, the lamb wins. And he wipes away every tear from their eye. And the saints of the future don't hunger anymore Neither do they thirst. Now, what does this have to do with all of us? Because we're living in the present, Jay. We're not living in the past. We're not living in the future. Because we're in Christ, friends, because we are one with these saints, as the old hymn says, I love this, yet she, the church, she is always female, she on earth hath union with God, the three in one and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. Because we are in Christ, because we're part of the church, not just that we see, but the church throughout time and space, what theologians have called the church triumphant, the church in heaven and the church militant, the church missional, all those things, past, present, and future, are ours in Christ. In fact, because Jesus perfectly lived poor in spirit. Because Jesus perfectly lived, blessed are those who mourn. Because Jesus perfectly hungered and thirsted after righteousness. And because as St. Paul says, it is an I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. Because of that mystery, he brings those realities present to us. Past, present, and future. But I, there's one set of saints that I've yet to mention. And I was reading Psalm 22 yesterday, and I, I love that Jesus quotes it on the cross, and I love to read the whole psalm and put it in the mouth of Jesus. But these last words of Jesus, and this is in the old prayer book translation, this is Psalm 22. Hear Jesus' words, or hear Jesus saying this. My seed shall serve him, they shall be counted unto the Lord for a generation. 
They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, whom the Lord hath made. The, the descendants of Jesus, the children of God and Christ, will proclaim the righteousness of God even unto a people yet unborn, saints to be, like these five that will be baptized tonight. And friends, the saints to be are the reason that God has planted a church in East Dallas. He will call us to incremental, day-by-day, ordinary, humble faith over the next 12 months as we own our own finances, as we take responsibility for our governance, our organizational development, as we become our own church. He'll call us to humble faith. He'll call us to heroic faith and following him. But make no mistake, he is building a church here for a people yet unborn. Both a people who aren't alive yet and also a people who are not yet born in Christ, who have not seen the light of God that shines through the holy ones of God, through the saints. Our Lord Jesus Christ is drawing people to himself in East Dallas, friends. What is a saint like? A saint is one who is poor in spirit, yet victorious, and who sees the things that God is bringing to bear upon us even now. Let's pray. Father, we pray especially for these saints to be these five ones that will be baptized now. Prepare their hearts and their minds. Plant a seed of faith. And as Lord Jesus, we lift them to you. We pray that they would pass from death unto life because you have done so for us. Let them receive these promises and live into them day after day, just as we do. All through Jesus our Lord. Amen.